This is Carl Hughes with Town Square Media, your host for Issues and Answers. Issues and Answers is a public affairs program for Western Colorado. Residents and members of our community tell us what concerns they have, and from that feedback, we identify significant issues to include in our weekly program. Today, my guest is Deborah Hess, a volunteer with the Colorado Cancer Coalition. Today, we will be discussing melanoma and skin cancer prevention. Deborah, welcome to Issues and Answers. Thank you so much for having me, Carl. Well, first, let's talk a little bit about Deborah. Tell us about your background <laughs> and your involvement with cancer awareness. Sure. When I was growing up back in the 60s and 70s, I used to lay out in the sun with baby oil and iodine on an aluminum foil blanket. Um, we didn't know any better back then. And all of that damage resulted in my first melanoma diagnosis in 1999 when I was 39 years old. And I drastically changed my lifestyle, quit going out in the sun, started wearing SPF wide-brim hats and long sleeve shirts and eating nutrient-dense foods and everything I could to give my cells everything they needed to overcome a skin cancer cell. And I was very surprised when 20 years later, I was diagnosed with melanoma again, not a recurrence, a second primary um, on my leg. And then six months later, I had a squamous cell on my chest, and six months later, I had another squamous cell on my collarbone. And it is because 80% of lifetime sun damage occurs in childhood. So even though I had stopped going out in the sun, the damage is there below the surface, and it will never go away. I cannot improve the damage that I've done or treat the damage that has been done. I can, however, prevent future damage and um, take steps to help everyone I can to learn the lessons that I learned the hard way. Because we can see skin cancer. It's on the skin and we can prevent it. You wear, put things over your skin. So it's exciting to be able to actually help people prevent skin cancer diagnoses. So the lesson obviously is we can't undo the damage that's happened since we were children. Obviously, as you say, we can prevent further damage and then we can increase our awareness to watch for those moments where that skin cancer may surface. Agreed. Tell us a little bit more about the Colorado Cancer Coalition, who you're a volunteer for and its work here in Colorado and your involvement with them. Sure. The Colorado Cancer Coalition was formed probably 20 years ago, and I've been involved uh, 15 years. When I was diagnosed, I started volunteering at St. Mary's Cancer Center, and then I was on staff for 12 years. So it is an organization. It's been primarily, unfortunately, up and down the front range of Colorado, because that's where all the population is. And I've always been involved, and it's been my joy to bring the voice from Western Colorado and what people in rural Colorado do when they have a cancer diagnoses and the resources that are available to us. And one of the things the coalition has done is prepared a resource directory so that no matter where you live in the state of Colorado, you can go online to coloradocancercoalition.org and you can find out if there's a breast cancer support um, group in your community or where you would get treatment. And so it's nice to have that one-stop shop. And that has been our goal through the whole thing is no matter where you live in Colorado, you can go and find out we have a cancer plan talking about how to reduce skin cancer, how to reduce tobacco and lung cancer and 
uh, colorectal cancer and how to help people with survivorship and genetic testing to prevent cancer. So it really is a one-stop shop for cancer education. I firmly believe knowledge is power. It absolutely is. And speaking of knowledge, to increase awareness of skin cancers and specifically melanoma, May is Melanoma Awareness Month. Now, as I was researching this, I've read that Colorado has the highest UV or ultraviolet index of any state, along with the highest incidence of skin cancer. Is that correct? Yes, it is. Just living in Colorado puts us at risk for skin cancer. And so that is why we have the highest UV index, the highest skin cancer rate because of our elevation. There just isn't much atmosphere between us and the sun. And so it becomes even more critical uh, to protect your skin. We obviously, as you mentioned, or uh, we had talked earlier about how many days of sunshine we have here in Colorado, which is a blessing. We love that. And so enjoy the sun totally. But while you're out there, take the steps to protect your skin. And in a little bit, we'll be discussing the myths and the errors that we all have in our minds about sunblock, which is really sunscreen and a few other things (laughs) as well. Tanning beds and tanning bulbs, you know, we talk about the UV index, Colorado gets all this sun, Colorado with this higher elevation. There's an equal risk from people that are tanning bed aficionados or people that use tanning bulbs at home. Is that right? Yes, it is. And in fact, that's one thing that the Colorado Cancer Coalition is addressing. In the state of Colorado, there are no limits. Anybody of any age can go into a tanning bed and tan as much as they want. And unfortunately, the tanning beds uh, put out false information by saying the tanning bulbs have improved and this is the safe place to get a tan and there's no UV damage. Anything that is turning your skin brown is a carcinogen. The sun and tanning beds are carcinogens. Um, When I was at JUCO a couple of years ago, I met a young lady who was uh, just graduating from high school, and she had a huge melanoma on her chest, the middle of her chest, at 16 years old because she went to the tanning bulb. She thought, I'm going to be smart. I'm going to go get a tan in a tanning bed, and it's not going to cause any damage. And now she has melanoma at her young age. And so um, there is no safe tan, except I will confess that I use tan in a can. That's my safe tan. Because <laughs> I do want to have tan skin, and but I rub it on. I use a tint. I don't. The sun doesn't do it for me anymore. Right. No UV rays in the spray can. <laughs> right. <laughs> How about our skin types? You know, you hear people talking about, oh, they're very fair-skinned, you know, or they have an olive complexion. Does our skin type have anything to do with our personal risk of melanoma? Absolutely. It all comes down to the level of melanin in your skin. And that is a gift you got or did not receive from your family. So if you are like you think of the people who have red hair and green eyes and almost uh, white, very pale skin versus someone who is maybe Hispanic or Italian or Mediterranean, uh, they have more melanin in their skin versus someone who is black. They have a lot of melanin. And so very much if you put a a Latino person and an Irish person out in the sun at the same time, the Irish person is going to burn 
first if they don't have any protection. And what that means is that if you are fair-complected, if you have blue eyes and blonde hair, you should be wearing a hat and or long sleeve shirts. Um, when I'm out at JUCO, I see 10,000 people a day getting burnt and little children getting bad sunburns. And all of that is preventable. Cover up your skin, either with sunscreen every two hours or I have a full wardrobe of SPF hats and long sleeve shirts and pants that I wear when I'm out in the sun. And speaking of hats, I would assume that a baseball-style cap provides you some protection over your forehead and down onto your face, but virtually nothing on your ears. Is that correct? Yes. Thank you for bringing that up. It When I've taken pictures at JUCO, um, like guys that have been playing baseball since they were seven and now they're grandpas, they have like this bill across the front of their face and that's not too damaged. And then around their chin and their jaw, there's like this brown stripe where the baseball cap did not protect them. Additionally, if you have sunglasses on, it's kind of making your ears stick out a little bit. And then you put a baseball cap on top of that. You kind of stick them out like flags. And again, one year at JUCO, I had a guy come in who had the tops of his ears cut off because he always wore a baseball cap. And it's also not protecting the back of your neck. So REI has really cute different styles, some that aren't hot that have filtering to keep down the heat. Some people don't like a hot hat because they get too hot. There are options out there that you can use and protect your face. So besides improving our wardrobe to provide <laughs> that shade, I think there's a lot of misunderstanding and misconception over sunblock, sunscreen, SPF 1000, which is, of course, an exaggeration. <laughs> so tell us a little bit first about SPF. What is the, the level that we need to be at as a minimum? SPF stands for sun protection factor. And really, all we need is a 30. If you're buying higher numbers, let, let's say a 60, it's not double a 30, which logically we would assume that it is. It's not. It's maybe a 35. And so buying the higher 60, 90, 120, yes, it does have some more protection in it, but not the level that you would think. And it's really only been, I think, maybe five years, they legally changed the law so that a bottle of sunscreen cannot say sunblock. My hat is a sunblock. Sunscreen is lotion. It's gone in two hours. The protection is gone. And so you also need to be looking at the expiration date on your sunscreen. If it's a 30 and it expired two years ago, it's now a 20. Sunscreen loses five SPFs every year after the expiration date. So that is important to know. People are buying sunscreen. They are doing the right things according to what's on the sunscreen. And then they're still getting a sunburn and they still have damage because they've been given false information. So thank you, Carl, for allowing me to help people understand how to use and buy sunscreen. Also on that note, when I was first diagnosed, I was looking for sunscreen that had titanium dioxide or zinc oxide. Those are the ingredients like we saw see on lifeguards' noses. It has like metallic flakes so that the sun reflects off of the skin instead of being absorbed into the skin. It is a sunblock. It's also only for a couple of hours, but it is a sunblock. Skin cancer, as I've read in all of my um, research heading up to this interview, skin cancer 
is one of the most common forms of cancer, but it sounds like is also one of the most preventable. Agreed. It is very common. And again, as we were discussing, the most common skin cancer is a basal cell carcinoma. That is pretty easy to remove. I've had two of those, and it's kind of a scrape. They just uh, scrape out the skin cells there that they can see. The next um, more dangerous skin cancer is a squamous cell carcinoma. I have also had two of those. Uh, The surgery for that leaves me with a scar that's about an inch and a half or two inches long. Obviously, the worst, most deadly skin cancer is a melanoma for a melanoma. And for all of these, they have to go deep and wide in the surgical. So they do an elliptical cut, which is kind of like the shape of an eye, and remove that and look to see if there is healthy skin cells all the way around that. All three are deadly if they're left untreated and allowed to grow for years because like any cancer cell, they don't slough off like they're supposed to. A cancer cell decides that it's immortal and its job is to divide, 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 divide until it becomes big enough to see as a skin cancer or until it's big enough to feel in the breast as a lump of cancer in the breast. You need to remove that from the body if a doctor has found that. And I also believe that people deserve peace of mind. If you have something on your skin that has changed or looks different or it's brand new and you're not sure about it, show it to your primary care physician and let them look and decide if it's something they think that they just want to watch or if it's something they feel it's nothing at all. We don't need to worry about that. Peace of mind is a big thing. For those that might be just joining us, my name is Carl Hughes, and you're listening to Issues and Answers with Town Square Media. Today, my guest is Deborah Hess, a volunteer with the Colorado Cancer Coalition. May is Melanoma Awareness Month, so we're discussing both melanoma and associated skin cancers, prevention, and now treatment. We've talked a little about it, about sunblocks, about the right clothing, long sleeve shirts, wide-brimmed hats. But let's talk about treatment. Obviously, early detection is going to be a key here, isn't it? Absolutely. With all cancer, it's about early detection. The earlier we can find it, the easier it is to treat. The longer it's allowed to grow, the more it has divided and spread, and it's harder to to find it all and remove it all. So if we can catch it early, fortunately for me, yes, I've had six skin cancers. I've had them all surgically removed. I caught them all early. I'm on the six-month plan with my dermatologist. I have full body inspections every six months in case something else has popped up that he needs to take care of. But once you let it grow to the point where it's beyond where it started, and if it's allowed to get into the bloodstream, then you really need a chemotherapy to treat that. And melanoma is one of the cancers that doesn't have very many chemotherapies that work. Like for breast cancer, there's probably 40 different lines that they could go to. If the first doesn't doesn't work, here's a second, a third, a fourth. But with melanoma, we're limited with the chemotherapies that can treat a melanoma cancer cell. They've gotten a lot better. Now there's immunotherapy. So things have really, I mean, every year it's remarkable how much smarter and better and easier on the patient, uh, the treatments that we have. So when we've discovered an abnormal growth or a mole, we've gone to our doctor dermatologist, 
When they go to remove that, I assume through the biopsy, they want to look at surrounding cells. They don't just take a wild guess that I think I got it all. There's actually a procedure to make sure that the whatever form of skin cancer it is hasn't progressed into surrounding cells. Yes, and this is a remarkable advancement. It's called Mohs, M-O-H-S, and a patient... Uh, who has been diagnosed with a form of skin cancer, you will be in the um, examination room. They will remove a sample of the tissue. And while you are still in the chair, they will take it and look at it back in the lab under the microscope, make sure they have clean margins. If they don't, let's say at two o'clock, they see something that is still not a clean margin, then they come back and remove that piece and then go back and look under the microscope. And they do that over and over until they know for sure and you might be there all day, but when you leave, you know that all of the skin cancer is gone, that they are not taking any chances, that you are clear, and now it's time to heal. Seems like two great benefits from that. One, obviously, as you said, that when you leave that day, you know that they've been very careful and have been very conscientious about removing any potentially dangerous cells. The other thing is, because they have this ability to test, they're not having to go in and take an overly large chunk out to err on the side of caution. So you're saved that pain and that issue as well. And I think that becomes even more important when we're looking at our face. Uh, a lot of skin cancers are on the face, like around the nose or the cheeks. And um, every time I'm in the dermatologist, there's always someone coming out with Band-Aids on their face. And so that's a good point, Carl, that, you know, when they can take just as much as they need, but not more. And it's amazing, too. I mean, my scars are pretty. I guess you could say that, um, to where they're not big, ugly things. And I've seen people who've had, like mine that I have on my chest, I have to point it out and show it to people. So the bodies are amazing things. They do heal and recover and um, can get past a skin cancer treatment. Well, and something you said before we started recording Nobody knows our own body like we do, and you said, I love me very much. Nobody loves me <laughs> like me, and I would agree with that for myself. So self-examination has got to be the first step in this process. You don't rely on a doctor to give you a once-over. You need to be aware of your own little marks and what might be, in our mind, liver spots or aging spots. Those really aren't. Those are just damage from the sun, aren't they? Yes, they are. And yes, we do. And yes, I love me like no one else. And so my primary responsibility, especially as a six-time skin cancer survivor, is to look at my skin, to pay attention to my skin. I'm watching uh, to see if anything has popped up. And when I see something, I call my dermatologist if it's not time for me to come in yet and have him check that out. So yeah, we need to be looking at that. In fact, when I was first diagnosed, it was on Wednesday, my uh, primary called and said, it's melanoma, it's the worst skin cancer there is. Thursday, I was in to see a dermatologist, and she had me stand naked in front of a door and used a Sharpie marker to circle all of the spots that she didn't like on me. And the next day, Friday, I was in surgery. I had the big one, melanoma, removed, and then I also had seven others cut off all the way around my body. 
Um, so I can't see my back. And so I have pictures on file. We have a baseline on file uh, to know where I was the last time I saw them. And every time I go, he'll go, oh, I don't remember that one. Let me see the picture. And, you know, so he, he, they do that as a point of reference. But again, I need to be watching and we all need to be paying attention to our skin. And I don't know if we've covered the A, B, C, Ds yet. Let's cover that. When you talk about the appearance of a typical melanoma, the A, B, C, D, E system, so when we're looking for um, what what doctors are looking for for melanoma is A is the symmetry. Does the, the If you folded it in half, would the mole be exactly the same? Also, B is the border. Does it have a nice smooth line or is it kind of a scoopy, jagged kind of a border? Jagged is what we're looking for. C is color. Does it have more than one color in the mole? That's a flag. D is diameter. Is it bigger than a pencil eraser? size is a is a warning flag but really the biggest one is the one they've recently added which is e evolving do you have a mole that has changed like the one that i had on my chest i had a, some a bump there and i scratched it off and it healed up and then like Three, four weeks later, it came back and it was a little bit bigger and I scratched it off again thinking, you know, what's going on? And it healed and got another scab. And then it came back a third time. And that's when I called my dermatologist and said, I think I have a basal cell on my chest. He looked at it and said, no, I think that's a squamous cell. So it had changed. So if it changes size, if it changes to from being smooth to being a raised lump of flesh, if it's healed, especially if it's healed and it comes back, again, our bodies are amazing. Once something is healed, that should be it. If it, something comes back after it's already healed, that's not what our normal cell life should be doing. Now, you had touched on these a little bit earlier. We're talking about the broad subject of skin cancers. Melanoma, I know, is the one that people are probably the most familiar with. But you talked about basal cell carcinoma and squamous cell carcinoma. Are they more prevalent than melanoma? Definitely. There's a lot more basal cell diagnoses than anything. And again, those are the easiest, the smallest uh, surgery to remove. And the next is a squamous cell. And like I said, um, yes, basal is, is the majority of skin cancer. Squamous cell is a little less than a basal, and a melanoma is less than all of them. So melanoma cancer is kind of a rare, which is good, um, that the majority of people have a basal cell, which is easier, a lot easier to treat than a squamous or a, a melanoma. So do the A, B, C, D, E rules apply to the basal and squamous or squamous cells, or that's just for melanomas? That's just for melanoma. My squamous cells were both, they're kind of raised, fleshy-looking um, spots, and not with the color or things like that. And then basal cells also have a different look. So that the A, B, C, D, E's are specific to melanoma. The basals and the squamous have a very different look to them. So back to prevention, all of these types of skin cancers, they don't just spontaneously occur like we might with colorectal cancer or other things. These are typically precipitated by damage done by an outside source, such as the sun or a tanning bed, correct? Correct. And in my case, my mom's mom and my mom's sister both had melanoma. So I was born with the genetic predisposition to develop a skin cancer. After that, I added environmental damage by choosing to be a sun worshiper. And I 
love to lay in the sun. I love the feeling of the sun on my skin. And so I did it a lot. And now I am paying for that. Um, now I, I'm kind of, I'm afraid of the sun. I feel like the sun is trying to kill me. Um, but as my dermatologist told me, because of the damage that I've done, 80% of lifetime sun damage occurs in childhood. I could live in a cave and never see the sun again, and I would continue to get skin cancers. But because I see my dermatologist regularly for full body inspections, when skin cancer returns, we will find it early, he will remove it, and I will not die from skin cancer. I guess it's kind of ironic to think of the sun as being a carcinogen, but it really is because it has a potential potential to create a cancer. Yeah. Same with tanning beds, so yeah. stay away. You were able to bring in here to the studios and demonstrate for us a really unique piece of equipment, a UV camera, um, and it can alert us to damaged skin on our faces. Tell us a little bit about that. It's an ultraviolet camera, and as you saw with the pictures I showed you earlier today, when you're looking at my face with the naked eye, it doesn't look bad. I mean, I don't have a lot of da visible damage to my skin. The UV camera, through the rays that it has, it is able to go below the surface from the epidermis to the dermis. And so looking at the face where, you know, our face is almost always out in the sun. And I think that's why we, we target the face with the UV camera. It's able to show you a lifetime accumulation. So every sunburn you had since you were born we, is there below the surface on your face. And I think it is such a powerful moment for people to see their face, not a picture of someone else's face. This is your face and the damage below the surface, your lifetime accumulation. And I, again, believe that knowledge is power. And yes, sometimes people see a pretty scary face. And now they know that I need to get serious about protecting my skin. And Carl, we did your face. What did you think? I'm not going to be putting that on my Christmas cards this year. <laughs> my uh, fair Scandahoovian skin has shown a lot of uh, rough years behind me. So I certainly am much more aware now, thanks to the camera and being able to see how much damage has been done to this beautiful face. Mm -hmm. Now, you will be at, on behalf of the Colorado Cancer Coalition, you will be at Four Winds Coffee, which is at the corner of 12th and Bookcliffe, uh, four more days here in May. The 20th, which is a Friday from 8 to 1, the 21st, Saturday from 1 to 6, the 26th of May, Thursday from 1 to 6, and Friday the 27th from 8 to 1. Tell us if somebody would like to find out more about how their face looks under a, an ultraviolet camera and what damage they have on their face. How do they get an appointment to get this done and have this amazing camera used to check their, their skin on their face? It's really a community service. It's free. It doesn't cost you anything. And you're able to have that knowledge of what has been done with your face. So it is coloradocancercoalition.org backslash gj so i know it's a really long link but once you go there you're able to pick exactly your appointment so you're not going to be sitting for an hour waiting for your turn i would say it's probably 20 minutes from the time you get there we do the skin cancer education and sunscreen um, information and taking the picture and then also the reveal of the uv damage that's been done it probably takes about 20 minutes tops 
well worth the time. Now, you mentioned previous years you've been using the camera and doing the, I hate to call it a screening because you're not detecting cancer, but you are no. detecting skin damage from previous burns. Are you going to be at JUCO this year? Yes, we'll be there over Memorial Day weekend. So I'm there Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. And as usual, I've personally purchased a gallon of sunscreen because I want everybody, and especially the babies, um, to be covered with sunscreen at JUCO. And at least, not at least, an SPF 30. Yes, it is. <laughs> well, for our listeners, let's we don't have to give the registration, but if you could give us a website address one more time for the Colorado Cancer Coalition. I spent a lot of time today on that website, and there is just a wealth of information and resources and links. And there are specific links for the Western Slope. I saw links for resources in Delta, in Montrose, here in Grand Junction. So if you're listening to this and you want to find out an amazing amount of information about cancer, the Colorado Cancer Coalition. So again, that website is? ColoradoCancerCoalition.org. And then if you throw in a backslash GJ, you will see the schedule to be screened for free with the UV camera in the next two weekends. Well, Deborah has an amazing volunteer with the Colorado Cancer Coalition. Thank you for joining us today. My pleasure. This has been Issues and Answers from Town Square Media. If you would like to suggest a topic for our weekly program, simply open our station app. Hit the app chat feature and send us a note about what you would like to hear discussed on Issues and Answers. You can also reach us by phone by dialing 970-242-7788. I'm Carl Hughes. Join us next week for another round of Issues and Answers with Town Square Media.